0: Put it right next to that timetable, all those activities that you just listed out with all your objectives and say, how much money do I need for each one of these things?
1: Hey, you could be larger than life, bigger than the world, out the hopes and, of every boy and every Today we have an exceptional guest and she's going to be speaking on a topic that we don't hear about too often. It's something that everybody could benefit from if they knew more about it and that is grant writing. She teaches nonprofit leaders and uh, volunteers steps to learn how to write grants. Primarily in the nonprofit space, but she also does it in the for-profit space as well. So we're going to dig into that, learn more about how we can find these grants, how we can apply for, for them, and how to expand our reach with some of the money that's out there that hey, give it to me, I'm in. Holly Rustic, thank you so very much for joining me.
0: Yes, thank you so much, Larry. And it's it's my day, so we're at totally different time zones, which is a lot of fun. So that's right. I'm halfway around the world. And yeah, this is great how technology can definitely connect us. So thank you so much for having me on the show. It's really exciting.
1: Awesome. So what time is it there in Guam?
0: Okay, it is 11.15 a.m. on Thursday.
1: Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, we're doing the time warp here. This is crazy. We
0: are. It's. I'm in the future right now, I, like a whole
1: day. That's what I was about to say. Like, <laughs> it's <"Whoa."> okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. It's this sunny would blow skies
1: Stephen Hawking's mind. He, he would not be yeah. able to. Be like, <laughs> it is possible. Yes, I said it was, and it is, I promise. But, no, that's pretty cool, man. I gotta ask you though. Being on Guam, I, re- I remember—I uh, believe it was a, a representative or a senator here in the states—was concerned about all the people being on one end of Guam because he was afraid it would tip over. Have you heard that? Yeah. So do you have? <laughs> that was
0: way back in the day. I remember that. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> so do you have any concerns of just one day waking up and you know your your, your island is pulling the Titanic and going down?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always that. one no matter where you are, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's scary. We're I mean, all it is here.
0: Yeah, yeah. We actually have some hills, so that's always good. And we actually, fun fact, um, tallest mountain in the world, although you can hike up it in like an hour. And that's because if you go from the bottom of the sea, because we're next to the Marianas Trench. Which is the deepest part of the ocean. Yeah. So, um, which helps us not get um, tsunamis as well. So, kind of like fizzles out those big waves, which is nice. But we do get some typhoons. Yeah. Wow. Which are hurricanes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's
1: crazy, man. There'd be some weather that I've never experienced. And um, I I feel pretty good about that. But we get tornadoes here in Texas. So, there there are many, you know, many typhoons and we never know when they're going to come up. And I grew up. Those are scary. Oh, gosh.
0: I I was in Oklahoma during like a F5. There you go. It was like insane. I, I yeah. grew up in a
1: trailer. We lived in a trailer park. And, you know, trailer parks are like tornado magnets.
0: They are. They always go there.
1: <laughs> they're like, oh, we can do the most damage over there. Yeah. So the tornado just spins his way over there. Mm. But, yeah, they're, they're a little scary, especially when you're growing up in a trailer and that thing gets to rocking back and forth. And oh, yeah. You're going to end up in Oz. But yeah. thankfully, nothing too devastating happened as a as a wee lad. Mm-hmm. So. Tell us more about grant writing. How did you get yeah. involved in grant writing and what got you so excited about grant writing that you decided to pursue it as a career?
0: Sure. So, um, yeah, so kind of like, let's go rewind in time here. Um, another little time warp here. So a little over 15 years ago, 16 years ago, I first got started in it. And it was actually, you know, it's kind of ironic that we were just talking about storms. But it was after the big Asian tsunami back in 2004, right? At the end of 2004, okay. right before 2005. So I was actually teaching in the Middle East at the time. I applied for a job. So I saw that there was a job going on for the develop- or for the community development work and kind of cleanup and different nonprofits doing a lot of work in um, Indonesia, specifically where it was hardest hit after that. So I got hired on and I went to uh, Indonesia, which had um, a part of the country there was an Aceh, um, and it had been closed to foreigners for about 50 years, right? So it had been very closed, and this was the first time that it's open in a long time as well. So I went there to help with community development, and what I realized when I got there was, you know, the UN, there was a lot of international organizations, huge organizations. They were set up, they were very separated from the community. They had their security guards and their, you know, bulletproof glasses and all that, and then our little nonprofit that I got hired under was like a startup nonprofit, and we were like, you know, in the community, like riding bikes to work.
1: Totally,
0: Yeah, it was fun. And um, I really got to know the people in the community and started to learn the language and, and really find out what their needs were, because a lot of the nonprofits that were coming in, they had these Western ideas, you know, which are fine and dandy, but sometimes they don't kind of implement correctly. So they were trying to find different things and the locals were like, this doesn't work for us. Like this is what we need. I just need my water kiosk set back up that got washed away in the tsunami. Like, you know, and so, you know, just really like real things. So um but the thing was with a lot of the locals, they didn't know how to approach these larger organizations that held the grants, that held the funding. And so I was like, oh, I can be a liaison because I go to a lot of these meetings, right? And I know people that need money and what would really benefit and be impactful. So I just started there. That's actually where I started. It wasn't even considering myself as a grant writer. It was considering myself as a liaison between the money and the mission, right? How can I connect money to mission? So that's really where I got started. And then um, after I, my contract had ended, because it was only on a certain you know, duration of time, I went back to the States and I was working outside of DC at this. It was actually a grant writing company that um, served different nonprofits all over the world, right? It's a virtual company. And that's like back in the day, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We've
0: adjusted very well to the pandemic because I'm used to working online anyways. But yeah, it was like, so I, I looked at it and I learned then actually the techniques of writing grants. And I thought, man, this is so fun. I have different clients all over the world and they're doing these different projects and it's so cool to get them money, right? And to see what the impact it is and that they actually need writers because there is this like technical uh, ladder to, so to speak, right? That you need to know. So um, for the grants, and then I was Mm -hmm. able to work abroad again. I went abroad again, still working part-time as um, a grant writer because I could do it all online. I even went to ended my master's and kept doing my uh, grant writing on the side, you know, and, and just was able to live around the world and then settle here on Guam. And I've been able to do a lot of grant writing for the island here of Guam um, since 2011. And also, but what I found was I, there's not enough of me, right, to help other people. So what I wanted to do was train other people to actually start their own freelance businesses. So I had been doing that as a side hustle for a while. And back in 2015, I opened it as a full-time job. So um, that is my company. And yeah, so now I've been able to teach other people and I have online cohorts. So I'm able to teach individuals to become freelance grant writers and freelance nonprofit consultants and serve the community and instead of it being like, oh, you also do this, we're competing. It's not. There's so many nonprofits. There are millions of nonprofits in the United States, mm-hmm. like alone. It's crazy. And there's so much funding out there that they actually collaborate a lot. Like someone would be like, I don't like writing federal grants. I'll kick you, my client, but I love the foundations. You know what I mean? Like, so they go back and forth. So yeah, as a long winded kind of thing, that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> it's kind of, Wow. Where is that now? <laughs> so
1: man. Yeah, there, that is definitely a lot. And it's, it's an amazing story. Thank you. To, to hear that you're traveling all over the globe, yeah. you were involved on a variety of different levels, realized that operating out of a position of gratitude and a, and a position of giving not only benefited the individuals that you were helping, but you found it to be very fulfilling for yourself mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And that is uh, something that I like to reinforce mm-hmm. regularly with my listeners is that operating from a position of of gratitude Mm -hmm. and giving is such a tremendous reward. Not only can it be financially viable and rewarding in that regard, but internally and Mm -hmm. as an individual can be very rewarding as well. I have to assume that you're getting that sort of fulfillment from doing something like this, or you wouldn't be sticking with it.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, You know, it's really cool, like, just to see the different, especially when you can see it implemented. Sometimes, you know, you might not see if you have virtual online clients and you're not in that community and seeing the projects roll out. But you can still kind of be, you know, aware of it when they send you information, and that's always fun. But even in your own community, when you see the grants that you write get awarded. And, you know, I've had people come up to me and they say, Holly, I have a job because of you. And I'm like, whoa, like, (laughs) like, you know, that really has hit me. And I'm like, that's amazing. And it's just because of the work, you know, that that we do, right? So you can you know, helping conservation programs or helping, you know, women empowerment programs or help, you know, there's so many different things that you can do as a grant writer and you're always kind of behind the scenes. So it is nice to be acknowledged, you know what I mean, um, in some ways, of course, um, but it does bring a lot of, f- of fulfillment. It's like you you don't need to be on that pedestal. You, uh, people can be, you know, kind of introspective and be a grant writer. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely something you can do on your own, you know, which is great. I work independently really well, but I also work in teams, but I do like that independent kind of schedule and flow, you know, being able to write and get everything done. I worked in nonprofits before as well. And I really prefer having my own business. I'm more of an entrepreneurial spirit. So I do like having the flexibility and the schedule, like, of course, like, you know, that's twofer, right? People think sometimes before they become an entrepreneur, like, Oh, you just work two hours a day or whatever. And it's not like that. Like, you know, I've pulled some all nighters, but at least I'm pulling them for me because I used to pull them for the other people. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> for the man. Like now I'm pulling them for me. And that is super fulfilling that I can look around my house and I can say everything that is bought in here, everything that's purchased is from my imagination. Like it was because of my imagination, my skills that it's now reflected here. And that's like such a cool feeling. It's not because of somebody else's dream. It's right. because of mine and then the impact that I've had. So, yeah, it, it's definitely fulfilling.
1: That's spectacular. And, you know, as I was telling you in the green room that. Uh, As of January 4th, I'll be leaving corporate America, so I'm pretty stoked to do exactly what you're doing to supply all of the things around me myself and not rely on someone else to give it to me or not rely on the fact that I have to give my life. Granted, there's an exchange of goods there. They pay you for uh, your life. You know, there's an exchange there, but I don't know that the exchange rate is even.
0: No, it never was for me. And for entrepreneurs, I don't think it is because we're very ambitious, right? Right. We put a lot into what we do, even if it's working for somebody else. And I think that's why a lot of us say, I'm going to work for myself because I'm putting so I'm not, you know, I'm taking the time away from my family or away from the things that I really want to do to uh, get Project X done, right, right. for so-and-so. Right. And then you realize, well, hmm, maybe I maybe I can be so-and-so. <laughs>
1: and, yeah, why <laughs> can't I can be. be the so-and-so yeah. that I'm reporting to in the morning? <laughs> and, you know, you made a great point there in that I don't mind, take last night, for instance, and I went to work today because I still work for the man. I I was up till 12, 1 o'clock working mm-hmm. on a proposal for a client. <laughs> And I got the proposal done, went to bed, got up a couple hours later, went to work, had to be attentive. And even though they know I'm leaving, they're probably watching me closer than they ever have because they're going to make sure that if they're letting me stay till the 4th, that I'm going to sit there and do an excellent job for them. Right. So uh, there's even more. But the thing is, and Uh the point I'm trying to make is that I had no problem sitting there last night hyping away, working on this proposal, doing the research necessary to get the, the client the answers that I need to provide in order to increase my chances of landing this client. And it was just like, who cares? So what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not, yeah. I, I hate to say it's not work, but, and, and maybe, you know, you, you got this, this, this young pup here, entrepreneur, Olaire. but it's, this isn't my first business. This isn't my first ray. Even though I've had a, an extensive two decade career mm-hmm. with one company, I always had a side hustle of some sort. I had my own business back in 2000. I owned a swimming pool company where I a maintenance company. It came to the point where it was nice in tech. Yeah, it's hotter than in Texas in here, you know, <laughs> so, but it came to a point where Larry, you either got to <laughs> jump into the pool business, do that full time, or you got to kind of, you got to sell it and you got to get back focused on, on your career. And at the time, the finances just didn't make sense to jump ship. Yeah. I just wasn't in that position. But so I got rid of the pool business, started something else. Who knows what it was? I've done everything from eBay to Amazon to everything in between, you know? So uh, it's just always that side hustle. But podcasting, when I found that, it became so much mm-hmm. more than a side hustle that it's just a, it's something that I'm passionate about, talking to people like yourself, hearing tremendous stories from people that have given their lives to others, just like you're doing here mm-hmm. by helping them any way that they can. Meeting people like yourself is so rewarding. It's tremendous. And it should inspire anyone to start a podcast, honestly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I just I just love it. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely.
0: Thank you. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. But you have an amazing story too. Like that's really cool. And I love that you're saying, you know, you start at the side and I like that you're you're having like let's test the waters, right? And if it makes sense, do it. If you don't, you know, if it doesn't make sense. And, you know, even in our current situation, and I've been listening to um, different people talk about like bankruptcy and, oh my gosh, it's, it's, all these businesses, it's so terrible. They're going out of business. And yes, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. true. But some of them, maybe it's a good thing. Right. So I think there's always looking at closing shop isn't necessarily a bad thing either. If something's yep. not working,
1: exactly. don't exactly. try to
0: hit it over the head with a sledgehammer. <laughs> you
1: know
0: what I mean? like, like sometimes, yes, persistence is important, but you know what I mean? There's there, you can get a gut feeling when you know, like, all right, mm, I don't think so. You know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. But I'm excited for you. And yeah, and I love podcasting as well as, you know, I have my own podcast too. So I love connecting with people on podcast. You're so right. It's so inspiring.
1: And, and that's the kicker behind the whole thing. And I, I don't know if it works the same for grant writing, so I'd like to know more about it. But in podcasting, it's all about relationships. You're building yeah. relationships and those relationships, you're doing it out of a genuine desire to know mm-hmm. new people, to learn from new people, and to also teach new people what you know as well. And the relationships that you get out of this industry are tremendous. Oh, yeah. Tell me about grant writing and how does that work out? And you, you mentioned too, I kind of want to back it up for just a second before we sure. jump into that. You, you mentioned that there is a technical aspect to grant writing. Mm-hmm. How do you, if, if you didn't exist, you're training new grant writers to, to, to follow through with the craft. I mean, government's technical and it's, 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 there's loopholes everywhere and you got to cross this T and dot that I or they kick your paper out and you don't even get considered. How do you learn all the intricacies of your industry?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I have a grant writing master course that I offer a DIY and a live one for those people who like the accountability. And I also have a grants formula on my website that's free. So if people really want to check that out, and I'll just, I'll just talk about that yeah. briefly. But if they want to go into more detail, it's definitely there for them. As far as like looking at it, like you need to first, okay. So I'm just going to give you guys a crash course in grant writing real quick. All right. Because it's okay. Let's do it. So I actually have an acronym. It's called grants because. I'm a grant writer and we deal with acronyms all the time. So it's called grant. So it's to help you remember. So the G is get the FOA and the FOA is not a dirty word. It means funding opportunity announcement.
1: Ah, (laughs) So (laughs) that's
0: where you're going to get. So you first need to go and make sure you're eligible for the grant. So read it because a lot of people, they just think, oh, there's a grant. I'm going to apply. And then they apply and they're like, well, they weren't even eligible. And they just wasted all this money or time, you know, et cetera. And then they get disheartened and grants just aren't for me. So I say you need to make sure you read it. So sometimes it's called the FOA, the Funding Opportunity Announcement. That's more on federal grants. And then a lot of foundation grants call it the RFP, and that's request for proposal. So when you're looking at, even if you're looking for grants, you guys, just a quick like touch out here is... You might not see grants on like state and city uh, websites, but what you will see is RFP, right? Or you're going to see FOA. So I'm just, that's why I got to throw some lingo in there, not to confuse you, but to help you, right? Okay. So you need to read that make sure you're eligible make sure like they might say you need letters of um, MOUs, like memorandums of understanding and letters of support. You might need some other documents that you have to attach. So make sure you read it. And then I always flip it on its head. So I've been a grant reviewer, a federal grant reviewer for a number of years as well for many Different programs. Mm-hmm. So, I've seen how they actually review these grants. So, I give you the backstory slide. So, what you want to do is in the grants, there's usually some type of criteria like the need section or research section is going to be 10 points, having a goal is five points, etc. The budget's 10 points. You just take that, copy and paste it, put it in your Word doc, and make all of those your headers and then write directly to that. So that's your fast track way of kind of getting it done. Because as the reviewer, if I if you've included that, but they're not headers, it's all kind of intermixed in your writing. I'm tired. I'm reviewing these things. I'm like, they don't have it. I don't I can't find it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, it's reviewed by right, people, you right. guys. So you want to make sure you're clear, and you're even like, this is, you know, it's very, very clear. Yes, it is. You want to make sure they can go right to there and say, this is their research. This is exactly what they say. They're touching all the points. Okay, 10 points. You know what I mean? You want to do that. The gene grants is get the FOA or RFP. And then the R is the research. So you want to make sure that your research is really solid. And, you know, if you're a business, so if, this isn't just for nonprofits, guys, if you're a business, you know, and you're looking for grants, you need to use statistics testimonies, data. So it's very data driven. So the technical part on that, Larry, is very data driven, right? So you want to make sure if you're asking for money for a certain, you know, start, start for a podcast, right? I'm going to ask for money to get this podcast started. So sure. you want to make sure that you say, you know, there's X amount of podcasts in this industry, this many people listen to them. However, for for the one big win for health, there's nothing out there for that, right? Or there's very few, or they're not connecting with this, right? And to really show the need through staff. You could also get some testimonials from some of your listeners or some people that are interested, right? Um, some coaches, those kind of things, and you can include those. Sure. So that would be the research. So sometimes you can do a survey too, like if you don't have the data. You can do a survey on SurveyMonkey or Google Form, whatever. It doesn't have to be like, you know, crazy, like spend $30,000 on software to do the survey. (laughs) You can do something very low hanging, right? I've even done Facebook polls to get information. Like it can be very low hanging just to get the information that you need so you can put it into that statistic. And then as we go into A and grants, it's articulate the goal. So you want to make sure that you have a very strong goal, right? So it's not just because I'm going to reach millions of people on my podcast, right? You want to be able to say what is the impact your podcast is going to have on the people, right? So it's going to increase the wellness of, you know, thousands of people in this region or whatnot. And, um, you know, to really give them what they need, or you could even do it reverse. So either people go, it's going to increase or it's going to decrease something. So maybe it's going to decrease type two diabetes or whatnot, you know, whatever you're going to be speaking on for health, looking at that, but you need to have something that says, okay, this is the be all end all goal, right? So that's your goal. And then moving on to N, N is narrow your objectives. And the objectives are really how you're going to meet that goal. So it's really important to have those because you need to demonstrate, well, this is how you're going to get it done, right? So you want to make sure your goals usually no more than three. Okay. I've seen like 15 objectives and I'm like, oh my gosh. So it's like too much going on. We're going to talk about how you're going to break those down in just a minute. But first off, you just want to have no more than three objectives. And those objectives need to be smart, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. So they really want, you know, you have to, yeah, you have to make sure and that can be simple. And once again, if this is a lot of information, I have it on the grants formula, which is free on my website. So you can definitely download that. You guys, when you look at that, it would basically be your one of your objectives for your, your podcast. And there, it could be something like to meet your goal would be we're going to have X amount of uh, 52 podcasts like for for the year by the end of year one. And we're going to have 10 different experts and X number of solo episodes when we're going to reach X amount of people, right? So that's something you can actually measure, right? So it's measurable, it's very specific. It's achievable as long as you have the money to do it. That's what we're going to talk about in a minute too. Is it relevant? Well, it's relevant if it meets your goal and it helps reduce your research problem, like your problem, right? Your needs in the beginning, we talked about that. So, and it would, right? It would if you had that that, as a problem, right? Definitely. Yeah. And then it's time bound. It's by the end of year one. So you want to make sure that each of your objectives, once again, it's narrow and that makes it smart, right? And then it reaches the objective or the goal, sorry, the goal. And then we're going to peel that, you know, that Russian doll one more time. We're going to take another layer out. And that would be T is timetable your activities. So your activities, right, are very important. And the activities are all the little things that are gonna get done so you can reach your objective. Okay. So you could say, okay, whatever, now I'm gonna do these 52 podcasts. So maybe one of your activities and you can make a little timetable for it. And I always say, put like even in an Excel chart, right? So you have different columns and you could have like one columns, like what is the activity? So the first activity might be, you need to actually, you know, get a host, like a podcast host or something mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. SoundCloud or Lisbon or something like that. So mm-hmm. and then I say, okay, well what's the next thing is who's going to do it. So that would be you. <laughs> yeah. And then when are you going to start doing it? Well, you're probably going to start doing this as soon as it gets funded, right? You're and then when money. are you going to end it? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you get the money. <laughs> and then and a lot of that is the start dates are a lot of times when the grant gets awarded or is projected to be awarded. And then how are you going to evaluate that? Well, I'm going to purchase it, whatever. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to register. It doesn't have to be, once again, rocket science, like it doesn't. So those would, you can list as many activities as you want underneath each of those three objectives. And basically you're building out a business plan. So for those of you who have done your business plan, very familiar. Right. And what grantors will see in this is, oh, they have a plan and they can implement it. It makes sense. So the last thing, of course, is you need a budget, right? This is about money, right? It's about grants. So have a strategic budget. So that's your S. And you're basically, what I love to do is to take my budget, put it right next to that timetable, all those activities that you just listed out with all your objectives and say, how much money do I need for each one of these things, right? Okay. So obviously we don't want to leave you out because you're in the role of doing something. So you got to put money in for that. If you're gonna be using Lisbon or SoundCloud or whatever, you need to put money for that. So each of your activities needs to be pretty clear because that's gonna really drive your budget and then it's gonna make sense. So when you actually, so those are the magic of the grant. That's your backbone, your skeleton. Then writing it, writing all the things right after that, you have a place always to go back to and to come from. And it's a really, that's where you're really gonna stand out and get your grants awarded.
1: You know, it's it's funny because it really it just sounds like as long as you have a plan mm-hmm. and you you had a plan before you were even going for the grant. Yeah, that applying for the grant should be pretty straightforward. Yeah, you know, it's uh, last night I had the pleasure of sitting in on a on a call with Kevin O'Leary, one of the Sharks from Shark Tank, mm. and uh, it, it was a live kind of a town hall type thing. He had mentioned that he started a new tax company because he was trying to help people get COVID funding so they could continue uh, paying their employees and not have to close their businesses. Mm -hmm. And he said that uh, he was only able to help about 80% of the people that applied because the other 20% did not have the documentation for their business to support their needs. And if you can't document it, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a huge lesson there, even from you and the grant writing perspective. And then Mr. Mm-hmm. O'Leary last night saying something very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Folks, you have to keep your, your ducks in a row. Yep.
0: Yes. <laughs> One of the most
1: embarrassing times of my life, I didn't have my ducks in a row. And it consisted of me going, I was like 20, maybe 20, maybe 19. I wanted to be a police officer. So I go, I get sponsored to the academy. I got a friend that's in the academy. He's, he's an instructor at the academy. And he gave me a letter of recommendation, so I was good to go there. Now I needed a sponsor. Ah. So I went to this small town where I was from, Denison, Texas, and I applied to be an officer there. I told him I already had so-and-so sponsor me for the academy, and everything was going to be great. Everything's going really, really well. The, uh, the, the captain or whoever it is that I'm talking to, he's very impressed. He's, he's, he's doing great, and I'm doing great. And then he goes, okay, if you want to, just like with any other job. He goes, let me get a copy of your driver's license and your insurance card. I mean, you know, right, I'm going to be a cop. I'm going to drive a cop car. So I hand it to him. Wait patiently in the room. He comes back and he goes, "Should I write you a ticket now or later?" And I'm like, "What?" And he goes, well, "Yeah, son, uh, your license is expired." I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so he goes, "Yeah, we're just getting started here." So he goes, "Well, while I got you here, let's see what else you're into." Oh, no. At the time, I, I taught karate full time. That's all I did, and it was there on mm-hmm. Main Street in Denison, and to park out in front of the karate school that was on Main Street, you had to move your car every two hours. I ain't doing that. They ain't, oh, there ain't no chance. No. So guess what? Parking tickets. O'Leary had a ton of parking tickets. He pulls them up. And he goes, Brrr, here's all these parking tickets. He turned and he looked at me. And he goes, son, if you want to be a police officer, you got to get your ducks in a row. And your ducks, mm-hmm. they're not in a row. So, you know, that, is, that was a lifelong lesson that I learned that is applicable even today in every aspect of running a business or even running your life. Absolutely, You can't stress yeah. it enough. Get your ducks in a row, folks. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know about my gun, my leather, everything. I mean, you oh, know, it just, I knew I was going to be a cop, but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a reason for that. That's fine. But yeah, it's, it was a lesson that I still carry with me every day. Get your ducks in a row. And
0: absolutely. Yeah. And because what a lot of people do is you say, oh, it should be easy, right? If you already have your program. But I think what a lot of people do is they start developing programs when they see grants that are available because they see all the mm-hmm. money Cha-ching! And yeah, then right. they're like, "Ooh, how can I develop something that makes sense? And, you know, that's OK to do sometimes. But that can also be chasing the money, which can lead you in a spiral down. Real fast, right? Right. So it can waste your resources, and even if you get it awarded, it doesn't make sense. Your program won't be as sustainable. You know, a lot of people they're doing, you know, the PPP, they're doing different things, and if they're not handling it right, you know what I mean? They didn't have a plan, then, you know, it can kind of backfire on them. So I think it is important to always have a master grant application. So to say, what program are we going to actually do, right? Even for anything in your business, like, okay, you're not just doing the podcast. Now you're going to create an online course. Like what is the plan Mm -hmm. then, right? How to do it. And then to kind of draft it out and then you know how to work from it instead of just seeing, oh, there's a grant available for online courses, but I didn't even have the intention of developing one, but I'm going to now because there's money there. And then that might not be the direction that you should have taken your business or your nonprofit. And it could actually harm the other things that you've built because now your energy is focused on that, your resources and everything, but it doesn't complement maybe your business or right. nonprofit.
1: profit. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because mm-hmm. you've given a lot of great advice on actually applying for the grants, but I think one of the, the biggest struggles out there is where do you even find them? I mean, there, there's not just a website yeah. or a mm-hmm. repository of grants, you know, I mean, grants.com or is there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, there is. Ta-da, look at that.
0: There's many. That. See folks, yeah. if I play dumb, I get yeah, the free so, answers,
1: folks. Yeah, so no. Uh,
0: no, but you're, you're, you are right in some ways. There's not just a one stop shop for all grants in the world, like. but there is first federal grants. So federal grants is grants.gov. That is a place where all federal grants have to be published. So if you're looking to apply for federal grants, that's a place to go. However, even if you see federal, so what I always recommend on grants.gov, right, is to actually go and sign up for their newsletter, and then you can put the certain categories of grants that you're actually looking, you know, interested in getting, and they'll email you whenever new grants are published, and that saves you because it is, you have to learn how to use it, right? It is kind of a- so it, it helps with that, and they actually have an app as well that's actually pretty good. So I would definitely, they will send you pings when things are published that you're interested in. So it is is—it is helpful, and those are the federal grants. But I say even if you go there, that's great that you see the grants that are published. If you're really interested in one, so say um, Department of Justice releases one that I'm really interested in applying for, when we're going to reach X amount of people, right? So that's something you can actually measure, right? So it's measurable, it's very specific when we're going to reach X amount of people, right? So that's something you can actually measure, right? So it's measurable, it's very specific, it's achievable as long as you have the money to do it. That's what we're going to talk about in a middle minute too. Is it relevant? Well, it's relevant if it meets your goal and it helps reduce your research problem, like your problem, right? Your needs in the beginning, we talked about that. Our ceiling is a million dollars, but when you look at the website and you see all the grants that are funded, maybe on average, you're seeing $350,000 funded for each organization. So it gives you a better idea of what they're actually funding and for how much. Now, as far as foundation grants, and they're, just to let you guys know, there's trillions of dollars in grant money from the federal government. Like it's crazy. So foundations are different because they're not. It's not coming from tax monies or from federal programs, right? It's coming from private companies. So that's like your Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, your Ford Foundation. You know these bigger ones that we're seeing. It's non-government set up. Those are, there's more than, I just looked a few weeks ago, more than 88,000 in the United States alone in, in 2020. So it's pretty cool. There's a lot of money out there as well. They, they fund billions of dollars, but this is the thing too, is that is more of pay to play place. So grants.gov is free, but for foundation grants, there are different businesses that have set up online platforms. So you can find foundations through, through their online platform, right? So you have foundation directory online. Instrumental is one that's up and coming and they almost, it's almost kind of like a dating app <laughs> you like, put in your program and then they start matching you up with people like with funding sources, oh, wow. which is okay. really cool. So it kind of takes a lot of the work and then you have a great place for tracking everything. So it's kind of fun. Um, and that's a women owned company. Really, really cool woman. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, um, so they do a lot and they basically hire people to scan all the foundation websites like and just to update their own source. So you can just Google, right? But that's gonna be a lot harder. Like maybe before you get the money to pay for some of these places, you can kind of start there. I do know that Foundation Directory Online, which is another online software, right now certain they're allowing certain libraries in the United States to allow it for free. So you can check your local oh, wow. library to get that. And it is really
1: helpful. They still have those, those library places? Yeah, they those have li- them. They still have- <laughs> Wow. It's crazy. That's crazy. It's
0: crazy, I know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay. All so, right. there are some certain places and there are some certain, but, you know, and you know what I always recommend too? Newspapers. I know they still have those too, right? So
1: <laughs> They have those?
0: Gras Grant oh, wow. Writers are so old school. But it's because, you know, a lot of the monies are coming out from the baby boomers. Like, we got to follow the money. <laughs> In some it's not.
1: hilarious because... Just today, literally just this afternoon, I was having a talk with one of the young pups at the, at the office. I mentioned the, the Yellow Pages. I said, well, you know, you, can, oh, you yeah. can find it. Just maybe so look at the Yellow Pages or something. He goes, what? I said, the phone. Never mind, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Google it. Google. What a
0: great resource, though, the yeah. Yellow Pages, yeah. right? what
1: is that? Uh, Come on. <laughs> you know, they still hit me, though. I told you I had my business in 2007. I ran an ad in the Yellow Pages, so I had me a nice little business card ad in, the, in there. Oh, yeah! And they still call me to this day to see if I will go into the Yellow Pages every time they print. And the Yellow and Pages, I'm like, no, I ain't. No. You're like, no. Why are you <laughs> Why are you wasting resources printing that? That's what I want to know. How many trees are you killing? Yeah, it's but weird. Anyway, sorry rant. Yeah, sorry.
0: But newspapers, yeah, they are still good because, especially for state and city grants, because they have to publish somewhere, right? right? So they can publish on their websites. But honestly, if, you know, it's still, it's really good to go on their websites, but everyone looks so different. And we know that like, sometimes it's a good website and many times it's an awful website, right? right? From the state government. Right. So, but they do publish in the newspaper. So even if I'm like at the cafe or at the gym, there's usually newspapers up on the counter. I just kind of flip to the back and then, you know, you can see different RFPs, once again, request for proposal, they're going to be called RFPs at that point that are published. So they'll, they'll have to announce it. So it is a good place to find them, honestly, um, which is kind of ironic, but it is, you know, and then of course, following them on social media. So I would love, you know, connect with the foundations that you love that are, have direct, you know, priorities and missions that align with your business, your nonprofit, and then go follow them. A lot of them are on LinkedIn. Some of them are on Instagram. Follow them, and they'll release them when they have grants available. So that's a great opportunity for you to also connect, especially on LinkedIn, with people who work there, right? You can kind of get in the back door and avoid the gatekeeper on LinkedIn, which is really cool, and it's such a good tool for you guys looking for grants, Um, because a lot of times at foundations, there are huge gatekeepers that just don't let you get to the board of directors. But in this way, you can really bypass it and just let them know, hey, you know, start liking their stuff. Don't just ask for money on LinkedIn, you guys. Oh. There it is. Like their images, comment on them, develop a relationship. Remember, it's about exactly, a relationship. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. There's the R word right there, folks. Relationships. Yeah. Yeah. It's the key to everything, man. It's the key right. to the kingdom. It is. No matter what you're doing, relationships will make all the difference in the world. So, well, man, we've had a lot of info hit us all at one time, Holly. Where can people find out more? What's your web address and what's your podcast? and Give us the lowdown on Holly.
0: Sure. So um, you can definitely find me at grantwritingandfunding.com. And that's all one word completely spelled out. And my podcast is also Grant Writing and Funding. Like I'm super creative that way. So <laughs> keeping everything aligned. Wow. Yeah. And then you can find me on social at Holly Rustic. R-U-S-T-I-C-K, so Holly spelled with a Y. So, um, yeah, definitely find me. You can connect. I have tons of resources. Um, I've been podcasting for a couple of years now, so we have a lot of podcasts, a lot of articles on grants. Like I said, I have my grants formula that is a free resource and it's delivered over five days with little mini videos. So if you're interested in really getting more information on that, do um, check out grantwritingandfunding.com.
1: Very cool, very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me for a tremendous, extremely informative and educational episode. You know, sometimes I just get on here and ramble, but today was definitely not rambling. It was some extremely valuable information that I've always wondered about. I've heard there's money everywhere to be had, but you have to know where to look for it and you have to know how to position yourself in order to receive it. And that's something that I think escapes a lot of people. And your information that you provided today is a great start for building our own grant knowledge base. So I appreciate that.
0: And let me know if you apply for a grant and you get funded. I would love to see that. Yeah, that'd be
1: awesome. I'm going looking tonight, man. I'm going, I'm going yeah, grant Grant's surfing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Holly. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Larry.